Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm your host, Jordan Jones, here on Super Bowl Sunday, recording this a little earlier than usual so that I have it done before the big game tonight. Uh, It's freezing cold in West Lafayette. It's a great night to stay in, watch some football for the final time this year before all of the attention turns to March Madness. I'll be rooting for the Buccaneers tonight and the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, but mostly just dreaming of the day that the Bears get back to the Super Bowl. Regardless, though, this week provided a mixed bag of results for Purdue basketball. A tough loss at Maryland preceded a win over Northwestern that was more of a fight than Purdue had hoped for. We also saw the end of the recruiting cycle and the release of the 2021 Big Ten football schedule. Let's dive in right now and touch them all on today's episode. And the week got started off with a scary situation for Purdue on the flight to Maryland. It sounded like the plane reached central Ohio, according to the flight tracker, uh, before turning around and going back to Indianapolis needing to change planes due to mechanical issues. Uh, The team arrived at the Baltimore airport very late, and then that's another 45 minutes away from College Park, uh, where obviously the University of Maryland is. So uh, not, not a good situation there, certainly not the start to the road trip that Purdue wanted. And it showed a little bit early on in the game when neither team came out particularly strong, Uh, 11 first-half turnovers for Purdue, and that was an issue that Purdue had really dealt with early on in the season. And in the past few games, while Purdue's been playing much better, they'd really solved those turnover problems and minimized them quite a bit. But it uh, resurfaced in that Maryland game. But on the flip side, Maryland couldn't take advantage just one of 12 from three-point range in the first half. They did start with their bigger lineup, putting Galen Smith in the starting lineup, but he picked up two first-half fouls and didn't really do much. Isaiah Thompson kept Purdue in it a little bit, a couple of threes in the first half. Ethan Morton knocked down a three in the first half. One piece of... uh, One statistic that really was important in that first half was that Travion Williams picked up a foul in the first four minutes that I didn't necessarily agree with, but it was called nonetheless, and he avoided that second foul for the entire first half, and as we'll get to later on, that's been something he's been so poor at achieving this year. Very good job by him to stay on the floor in that first half. You know, had Purdue been able to limit turnovers and not turned it over 11 times in the first half, I think the second half would have looked a lot different. But instead, Purdue led by just three at the halftime break. Maryland came out of the second half and completely got away from that big lineup. And they put Dante Scott in at the five, a very good three-point shooter, very perimeter-oriented big guy. And that just caused some major matchup issues on both sides of the floor. You know, Purdue really struggled with rotations. And we saw that really burn Purdue. And that was the difference maker in this game. 
The Terrapins went 8 of 13 from 3 in the second half. But on the flip side, when Purdue's on offense, Maryland had no chance at stopping Trevion Williams. He had 14 points and 7 boards in the second half alone. Another 2010 game for him. But Purdue led by 7 at the under 4, and they couldn't stop Maryland from getting wide open threes. Purdue led by 1 after a Jaden Ivey missed shot late on a play that you know, I don't think went the way Matt Painter was hoping for it to. Jaden Ivey took it to the rim himself when there was some action on the left side of the arc trying to get Brandon Newman or Travion Williams freed up. Instead, Ivey went to the basket, shot a fadeaway that really wasn't a great shot. Eric Ayala got his own rebound with three seconds left and was fouled. Purdue's desperation play failed. The final score, Maryland 61, Purdue 60. You know, a tough loss, but Purdue fans really took that loss way too hard. Some of the reaction on Twitter and on the Purdue fan message boards, it was just too much. You know, people tend to forget, Maryland closed this game as three-point favorites. You know, Purdue was the underdog in this one. Maryland's got some really good wins this year. They've beaten Illinois, they've beaten Wisconsin, they've beaten Minnesota, and all three of those wins have come on the road. You know, if you look at Purdue, they lost a game they should have won back in December in the Big Ten ACC Challenge at Miami, but they also won two games they should have lost in the month of January against Michigan State and Ohio State. I really do believe things kind of have a way of evening out over the season, and after you steal two from Michigan State and Ohio State, maybe Maryland coming back to win a game that Purdue probably should have won, that might be a little expected, just you know the way things even out, the natural progression of a season. I tweeted out before the game, any sweep in the Big Ten is very hard to come by. Purdue already has a sweep of Ohio State, which continues to look better and really more unbelievable by the day. Ohio State's really good coming off a win over Iowa on Thursday. But, you know, this sweep of Maryland didn't quite work out. Purdue was close. They were close to pulling it off. But, you know, two close games, each team won on their home floor. The youngest team in the Big Ten doesn't tend to get a ton of sweeps. I don't know that Purdue fans should be upset about that loss, especially because they still didn't have Sasha Stefanovic in that game. Brandon Newman struggled, uh, didn't have his best day. Purdue didn't get a lot of good looks from three in the second half. It was Stefanovic's final game sitting out due to his COVID test. But Purdue really could have used his skill set and ability to open up the f- the floor in the half-court offense in this game. You know, teams have to sell out on Sasha Stefanovic when he's running off screens, you know, across the baseline to get open on the other side. Teams don't have to do that as much for some of Purdue's other players who aren't as good at shooting on the move as Stefanovic is. It did become apparent after the game, though, that the plane issue was pretty serious. Matt Painter indicated that emergency response teams were waiting for them on the runway. Isaiah Thompson and Jaden Ivey 
both spoke on it and you know made it sound pretty bad. Um, I'm very glad nothing serious ended up happening. Obviously, um, you know it's very good that Purdue was able to get landed safely, switch planes, and get to and from College Park safely. Then Purdue moves on for a Saturday afternoon game, welcoming Northwestern into Mackey Arena, and Sasha Stefanovic's return was the storyline coming in. He did not start, however. Jaden Ivey held his place in the lineup. Ivey had a fantastic day for the Boilers. But Purdue got off to a good lead in the first half, but was unable to hold it. Foul trouble was a big problem. Stop if you've heard this before. Gillis and Williams, both with two fouls in the first half. That is a big, big problem for Purdue. You have to have those guys on the floor. Um, Williams' fouls weren't great. I know Gillis had one that I wasn't a fan of either. And because of those guys being on the bench, Purdue only led by three at halftime. You let teams stick around in the Big Ten, they're going to make you pay for it. And Northwestern would not go away in the second half. In the second half, Williams continued to battle foul issues He only played 16 minutes in this game, one of his lowest of the season. Only eight points and three rebounds. Really quiet day for the big fella by his standards. Zach Eady, however, stepped up big time off the bench. His first career double-double, 12 points, 11 rebounds. And what was even more impressive for Eady was a perfect 8-for-8 at the free throw line. That was huge in holding on to the lead in the second half. Edie even brought this up himself when he was interviewed after the game. He brought up that he'd been struggling at the free throw line a little bit lately. Um, and not, you know, nothing, nothing severe, but it did seem like he was going one for two most every time. This time he was able to go two for two every time. Uh, absolutely great performance by Edie. And we saw another freshman, Mason Gillis, have a fantastic day. Four for four from the field, three of three from deep for 11 points. It looked like he may have rolled an ankle uh, in the second half, but, you know, in the typical Mason Gillis play, he, on a hobble, gets back on offense, is wide open beneath the basket for a layup, hits the layup before checking out, and thankfully for the Boilermakers, Gillis was able to check back in very soon after that injury. Purdue is a much better team when Mason Gillis is on the floor. And it's not because he has some ridiculous offensive skill set. You know, he can knock down threes. He knocks down shots around the basket. But he plays within himself. He doesn't try to do too much. And on the defensive end, he does everything. He dives for loose balls. He goes up and gets rebounds. He's not afraid to D up on anyone. It was great to see him knock down those threes. I am very confident that Gillis is going to be a really good shooter for Purdue during his career. It's been impressive this season, and that's an understatement. How good he has been after taking two years off of playing in live games. You know, his senior year at Newcastle. Missed the year with a knee injury. Red shirts last year, his freshman year at Purdue. 
and he's come in and you know with the exception of that Florida tournament where he was getting acclimated again a little bit Gillis has been fantastic for Purdue this year but the story of the day Jaden Ivey career high 20 points added seven boards and three assists on top of that you know he hit a pair of threes uh, two of seven from deep for him on the day I still think you'd like to see him get to the rim more because of some of the uber-athletic plays he makes around the rim. We saw him go coast-to-coast for a slam in the first half. He's just unbelievable in transition. And I don't know that we've seen a player at Purdue as good in transition as Jaden Ivey is. Uh, He's just very good at getting to the rim, getting fouled, and he finishes through contact as well as anyone I can remember at Purdue. It was a banner day for the freshman as a whole. 53 of Purdue's 75 points were scored by freshmen. Great days for them all. You have to look at days like this in a sequence where Zach Eady blocks a shot, Jaden Ivey dribbles it up court, passes to Brandon Newman for a a transition dunk, while Mason Gillis was filling the lane on the other side. And you just have to feel really good about the future of this Purdue program. They have a very good freshman group. And that's not even to mention Ethan Morton, who didn't play on Saturday, um, just never got subbed in. Matt Painter expressed that he wished he could have gotten Ethan Morton in the game. I'm very high on Morton. I think he's going to be really good. I think we're seeing the adjustment period from a public high school in Pennsylvania to the Big Ten be a little bit steeper than it is for some players. Uh, This is completely normal, though. And I know fans are very into immediate gratification, and they want to see things right away. Um, We may not have a huge year from Ethan Morton this year, but... I am very high on what he can do and what he can bring to Purdue in the years to come. The unfortunate part of this game, though, was Purdue couldn't put it away. Uh, They had some serious problems inbounding the ball against Northwestern's full-court pressure. It kind of felt like that Penn State game from a few weeks back where Purdue just, for whatever reason, couldn't get anything done against the full-court pressure. I do think it's a symptom of youth. You know, this isn't something that a lot of players have had to deal with in their high school or AAU careers. But regardless of how young Purdue is, they've got to shore it up before they get into March. uh, You get in the tournament and, you know, a lower-seeded team sees that you struggle with the full-court pressure. They're going to put that on really early uh, because they're desperate for an upset. Purdue's got to get that short up. You know they'll be practicing it, but getting it done in a game situation before March is going to be very important. It was Purdue's ninth straight win over the Wildcats. This is the only regular season matchup of this season. Certainly they could meet again if the Big Ten tournament ends up taking place. I'm skeptical that it will, but we'll see. Uh, The season's really started to get away from Northwestern, though. No wins yet since the calendar flipped to 2021. 
Their last win came on December 26th against Ohio State. You know, it started as a season with some serious promise after Northwestern was 3-0 and in Big Ten play, cracked the top 25, and now it's turning into a, another pretty disappointing season for Chris Collins' group. They're a young team, uh, like Purdue. They don't have any seniors, but a lot of these guys played some pretty big minutes last year. I think if you're a Northwestern fan, you're probably pretty disappointed with the way this season is going. As Purdue moves forward here after a one-and-one week, just a single game this week at Minnesota, a Thursday 8 p.m. tip-off on BTN. The Gophers do play Monday night against Nebraska. That's at the barn as well before they host Purdue. It's a rematch. Uh, These teams met very recently, just eight days ago as I'm recording this episode on Sunday. January 30th, Purdue with an 81-62 win in Mackey. Talked all about that game on last week's episode. If you want to go get a little bit more of an in-depth recap of what happened in that game and how it can be um, implemented into the second matchup, go ahead and listen to that. Purdue's only played two games since then, the Maryland and Northwestern games. So you know this is fresh in Purdue's mind. A lot went the Boilermakers' way in that first matchup, though. Marcus Carr completely neutralized by Eric Hunter Jr. on the defensive end. Purdue forced Liam Robbins to be pretty inefficient, the way you would love to do with an opposing big man. Some complimentary pieces on the Gophers' side made some shots early, but Purdue dominated the second half. This is a team Purdue matches up pretty well against. If they can keep Marcus Carr limited... And if they can make sure that they don't have that type of offensive explosion from a guard, the way we've seen in the past from Minnesota guards against Purdue, I think Purdue's in a pretty good spot. The barn has never been a kind place for Purdue, though. I'm sure you all have a lot of the same memories I do of that building and some of the horror stories that have plagued Purdue basketball from that building. I don't know that I expect Purdue to be ranked coming into this. You know, Purdue's at 24 right now. Uh, it wasn't an impressive week. Um, I could see Purdue getting bounced out of the top 25. I could see them staying in. It wasn't a great week for teams in that area of college basketball. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Before the Northwestern game, ESPN's Joe Lenardi had Purdue as a sixth seed. Um, That's really what you're concerned about at this point if you're Purdue. If they can go on the road and get a win, uh, it'd be a huge resume boost. As I said before, any sweep in the Big Ten is hard to come by. This is a pretty solid gopher team. This is one of the better teams Richard Pitino has had in Minneapolis, though I think he's underachieved with a lot of the groups he's had. Purdue's got to win the key matchups again that they won the last time around. They do have Sasha Stefanovic this time. He did look rusty against Northwestern. That's to be expected. You have a guy who's so predicated on shooting the ball after he spends 10 days, you know, locked in his house and can't shoot the ball. Uh, He's a huge difference maker for Purdue. I expect to see him more comfortable on Thursday. 
and we'll see what the Boilermakers can do there. Quick, before we get out of here today, uh, the 2021 Big Ten football schedules were released on Friday. Some slight changes made with dates and location based on you know, this past season's schedule, even if the games were canceled, um, making sure that the locations kind of added up right when you look at where teams went and what years passed. For Purdue, obviously the non-conference is unchanged. Oregon State at UConn and at Notre Dame. Look, I hate this non-conference schedule. I will be uh, certainly bringing it up a lot more as we get closer to the season. Um, schedule doesn't help Purdue at all. I think Purdue's doing itself a major disservice. But again, we will get into that much more you know, after basketball season wraps up and we start moving ahead to football season. But in terms of the Big Ten, crossover opponents, Purdue draws the Hoosiers uh, in West Lafayette. Obviously, the annual game on Thanksgiving weekend. Then they get Michigan State at home, and they go to Ohio State. First time the Boilers have gone to the horseshoe in a while. Uh, the bye week, week six for Purdue, after the three non-conference games and two Big Ten games against Illinois and Minnesota. Some of the more notable changes for Purdue, though, the Wisconsin game has been moved from Madison to West Lafayette. And then the Nebraska game has been moved from West Lafayette to Lincoln. Those two games, you know, Purdue hasn't gone to Nebraska and Wisconsin hasn't gone to Purdue since 2018 for each of those. They don't want to make it three straight years with the home team uh, being the same. So they flip that up. And the rumor from ESPN's Adam Rittenberg is that the game Purdue at Northwestern in late November is to be played at Wrigley Field. Um, you know, if that's true, I'll be doing everything in my power to be there. I am a big Cubs fan, absolutely love Wrigley Field and the Wrigleyville area. That'd be awesome stuff, uh, even if it probably won't be the best spot to watch a football game. I would love to go see. Purdue play at Wrigley Field at my favorite baseball venue in America. It would be fantastic stuff. And I know the uh, nightlife outside of Wrigleyville would be loaded up with Purdue people on that day. The National Signing Day came and went last week. It's a day that's become increasingly uneventful. The December early signing period has really taken away all the drama from the February date that really dominated college football for so long. I remember being young as a kid, and I got fortunate that school seemed to get canceled every year for snow on National Signing Day. And You, know, you watch ESPNU all day. They've got all the signings of the big five stars, and then you listen to Paul Feinbaum in the afternoon talk about some of the biggest classes in college football, and it was always one of my favorite days of the year. This year, the recruiting services aren't very high on Purdue's class, rated 13th in the Big Ten on 24-7 sports. It is noteworthy. Purdue had a small class, only 15 players coming in. That's the second smallest in the Big Ten, uh, ahead of only Indiana with 14 signees. 
National Signing Day was slow for Purdue. Australian punter Jack Ansel signed a uh, 23-year-old Australian punter who looks to bring some stability to a position where Purdue desperately needs it and has desperately needed it for two years now. Besides Ansel, everyone else signed in December. So, you know, as a whole, schedule's done. Recruiting classes are finalized. Spring ball should be going soon here in the month of February. The last two seasons have not been what anyone has hoped for. Uh, Purdue really needs a bounce-back campaign. That has been the narrative from pretty much any national or Big Ten uh, analyst that you'll hear is that Purdue really needs to get some momentum going back up. Jerry DiNardo from Big Ten Network talked about that on National Signing Day. I don't disagree. Uh, Purdue really needs some things to go well here in 2021 on the football field. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for spending some time with me. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Boilers Beyond for news and in-game analysis. Boilers and Beyond is available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I will be back next Monday with a new episode to break down the Boilers and the Gophers. But until then, if you're in the Midwest, stay warm and enjoy the best time of the year because it's the push for the NCAA tournament.